just checking my mic. Um, that's okay. Ready? Yep, they're both recording. Okay, cool. Oh, um, have you had a chance to think about music at all? Yeah, Heather, I have thought about music. And I was thinking Pachelbel's Canon in D the other day when we were writing our poetry for the second lockdown. And this was with the arts gymnasium participants. I just uh, said to them, why don't you put yourself on mute and we're going to take um, some time just to not talk, but just to write. Um, and the reason I put that song on is because it's, it's one I like to use when we want to get centered. first found out that the theatre was going to have to close uh, do you remember how you found out that news um, where you were at that point what was your kind of initial reaction then yeah it almost it almost goes a bit before that so that day earlier that day I was with our arts gymnasium participants I was running a session with them which happens on a Monday from 11 to 1 we we do drama together and that day at the end of the session, I remember saying to them, I have I have a feeling this might be the last time we're able to meet in person for a while. If that does happen, would you like to continue meeting digitally? And if so, how would you like to do that? What is the best platform? What are the platforms you're on? Um, is this still a good time? Things like that. And um, and then that night, the audience was in the main house and Liam was asked, I think two minutes before showtime, asked the audience um, and said, I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to do the show. And then somebody texted me and that's that's how I found out. But I already had a sneaking suspicion that it would happen. And so that group decided that they wanted to interact via email. And that day when we sat there and they said they wanted to interact through through email, it made me realize that um, that desire that we'd had to work with them uh, with technology was now even more important. It, it was imperative that they... Um, sort of upskill on tech so that they didn't get left behind. You said you kind of had a bit of a a feeling about it before and that was on the day but was it something you were anticipating earlier than that? Was it something that you'd kind of put in place any sort of contingency plans for in advance or was it something that came as a bit of a shock that week yeah it, it was interesting because it was just a feeling and that feeling hadn't happened a great deal in advance of that day so although I had built it into the session plan that we would talk about that at the very end um, I definitely wasn't aware that that would be happening that night obviously and then I had another session with that I was supposed to have on the Tuesday with our senior youth theatre 
which obviously we weren't able to meet in person and talk about that contingency plan. So I think those of us who engage with the community, how, however you engage, whether that is you know through the drama classes that we run, but also speaking with people who um, work with communities in other capacities, that desire to maintain that connection became incredibly strong and urgent. And in a way, that urgency paired with some creative thinking and partnership, um, created new ways of, of working throughout that period. So with the 50 plus group, once we knew that we were going into lockdown, I emailed them and just said, okay, you know, we're going to go into the contingency that, that we talked about. And we interacted via email until I was furloughed. And then they started working on a different project. You talked a bit about, you know, needing to make sure that uh, people had the right skills to be able to access the technology. Obviously, there's big challenges with that and more so with some groups of people than others. How have you found it? Have you managed to keep in touch with most of the participants that we were engaging with before lockdown or... Has it been too much of a challenge to keep in touch with all of them? I know that only limited numbers could take part in some of the projects, obviously, but have you managed to touch base with most people during the summer? Yeah, it it, it became apparent that not only knowledge about technology was an issue, but also just having the technology for some people was an issue. What we did in those beginning days was we telephoned everyone just to check in with them and find out how they were doing both from, you know, a physical standpoint, but also mentally um, how they were in terms of going into this lockdown. And we were able also to signpost some individuals that we work with that might not have been able to access technology for whatever reason to other organizations that we work with across the city. And that was, you know, obviously we've done that before, but again, the urgency of this was slightly different feel to it than other times when we've signposted. And yeah, I think that lockdown has revealed a huge digital divide between people. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are talking about this and aware of this and whether that is a divide that happens due to lack of access to the actual technology or a divide due to maybe not having the skills to feel confident about using that technology is something that I think you know, a lot of people are concerned about. And I know that there are also many people that are working together and using creative thinking to try to figure out ways to bridge that gap. And the 50 plus project that we're doing right now is just one of those ways that we're looking at how do we work with the people that we've worked with previously under these new conditions. And so one of the things that we've done is is brought into the sessions 
Lisa Franklin, who is half of a theater company called Gertrude, which is one of our springboard companies, and they're they're a digital theater company. They work with people to find ways of using technology in a creative way. But in, in order to do that, they really understand how to use that technology. So Lisa's come into the sessions with our arts gymnasium participants who are all over 50, many of them in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and working with them to understand what technology they do have and help them understand how to use that technology and how to use that in a creative way so that they can actually not be frustrated by it, but the exact opposite. They can actually find joy in using that technology. And then we also have two occupational therapy students in with us, um, Noor and Claire, and they're working with those participants to look at once they have that joy of using the technology, how can they then use those newfound skills, not just to create, but also in the rest of their lives to just make their lives uh, a bit better, a bit more connected to other organizations, not just our own organization, whether that's their doctor's surgery or, you know, online grocery shopping, things like that. So we're kind of looking at two approaches, using technology for creativity, but also for how does that make your everyday existence a little bit more connected. That's fantastic that, you know, there's there's that kind of legacy to it because it's like there are positive things that have come out of this time because, as you say, obviously it's something that you wanted to do anyway, but there perhaps wasn't the urgency and the support for that kind of thing before so in a way this has kind of pushed forwards some really helpful stuff was that something that you anticipated coming out of this time before it's almost like you were so immersed in problem solving that you didn't have time to think about what the positive benefits were at the time but we have a lot of reflective sessions with all the people we work with and also with each other as staff members. And so we're constantly looking at what have we learned? How can we take that into the future, even before lockdown? But because everything was such a new way of working, I think that the lessons that we learned were just so many and very exciting. But in order to do that, we had to take quite a lot of risks. And I think that was the other big lesson coming out of the lockdown is that it can be incredibly scary to take risks. But what you get back from doing that is enormous amount of learning that you can take forward and use in so many other projects. But to do that, I think you have to be working in partnership with other people that you can either support to take risks if they're scared to take those risks, or people that are just up for taking risks because they know that you learn so much coming out of that. And I felt that way working with Christina Winkle, who has now moved on to a different organization, but obviously she worked really closely with me during the lockdown period to deliver a lot of our work. And then with you too, Heather, you know, in terms of just taking risks and, and working in a new way. The other thing it seemed is that there was a very quick back and forth, you know, what do you think about this? This is what I think about that. Okay, that's what I'll do. And so we moved together sort of incrementally, but 
in checking in at that risk taking are we willing to take this risk yes let's do that and then we could move things forward and that was a really exciting way of working but it was born out of, out of that urgency to connect with those people that we work with some of whom are in incredibly vulnerable situations one of the examples of taking risks was sharing stories on a small screen, which was a project that was devised by Hannah Barker for our youth theatre. So as I said on that Tuesday, I was meant to have a session with our senior youth theatre that wasn't able to go forward. And it was just so lovely to be able to invite our young people to come on board with us, to really take those risks with us and asking the question, how do we connect with people on these very small screens that now we're having to connect through? How do we tell stories? And in this platform, how do we translate those different ways of working that we have on a stage? How do we translate that to this smaller screen? But also, are there things about this smaller screen that can tell stories in a way that maybe we weren't able to tell on the stage? You talked a bit about how exciting it was to be able to take risks that you might not have otherwise taken and, you know, the positives coming out of of this period. But I'm also quite aware that obviously the theatre's been in a very difficult financial position during this time. So were there challenges that you came up against with that? Were there any risks that you felt like maybe you couldn't take at at the moment or that were difficult to argue for or was it has it generally been you know more freeing than not that's a that's a really difficult question I think in addition to the urgency that we felt to connect both with those people that we had always had a connection with and we didn't want to lose that connection because obviously when you're working with somebody in a room year after year after year you come to know that person and you don't want them to not be engaged in something during that time. But also, I think we were very aware that many of our colleagues were in furlough and that, you know, that's a challenge in and of itself. And we are also aware that there were many people within the organization that were having to make incredibly difficult decisions. And so I think the urgency to really work for the building and represent the building at a time when we weren't able to actually share things on our stage was was a challenge but it was a challenge that sort of drove us to work in partnership and and work incredibly hard and try to be the best representatives of the theater um i wanted to dial back a little bit because you talked earlier about um, your initial priority being to kind of check in mentally with everybody and, you know, see how they were doing, how they were feeling about going into lockdown. What were the responses that you got at that time? How were people feeling about it? And what are some of the responses that you got from them to the work that was happening? You know, do you do you know that this has helped them? Yeah, I think quite a lot of them were um, scared and felt isolated and were incredibly grateful for those moments of connection. 
um, whether that be working with us on a project or a different type of connection in their lives that made up for the fact that many of their connections were not happening, you know. So one one of our participants had a great-grandchild born during the lockdown and they weren't able to hold that child. And yet they were able to be involved with writing poetry with us, which then allowed some of those emotions to get channeled into art, which I think then made her feel connected. I mean, we've revisited those feelings that they've had. You know, they're now we're now working with them and looking back at that first lockdown and kind of the period between the two lockdowns and the going into the second lockdown. And, you know, a lot of them talk about the importance of nature during that period to keep them feeling connected to something. And in doing so, they talk about all of their senses being engaged with that. And right now they're writing poetry around that and then we'll be performing that. How do you think they've been feeling going into this second lockdown after the first one? Does everybody, and do you actually as well, feel more prepared this time? I definitely feel more prepared. So much more prepared. I mean, the exciting thing is that we've come to a place of learning where things that, you know, not that long ago were very foreign to us. I'm sure everybody, you know, there's a lot of people who have been on Zoom now for many months. But on Monday, we had one of our participants experience her first Zoom, her very first Zoom in in the session. And that was so exciting. And it's funny because some of the other participants we've been working with on Zoom for a very long time. So they all congratulated her Whereas it was only, you know, what, three months ago that they had never heard of Zoom. So I think not only do we as staff members feel more prepared, but the participants feel more prepared. I think probably the one thing that's troubling the 50 plus participants the most is the weather and the darkness that is going to come with this second lockdown. And so how do we not only keep them engaged, but mitigate for that darkness you know how do we find light within that darkness so yeah feel more prepared and looking forward to learning even more lessons from this second lockdown is there anything that you're applying this time that you feel like you learned in the first lockdown um you mean in terms of my personal life or my work life or the groups or um, I was thinking in terms of practice and and the groups, but you know we can talk about you as well if you if you like. Yeah, I think um, so. We're starting a new project with Coventry Refugee and Migrant Centre, and that's starting in January, and that's coming out of two pilot projects. The first happened before lockdown, and that was called Translated, and that was working with a larger group of women in a social space that we could all be in and that ended in a performance and a sharing of art inside the building. Then we went into a second pilot which due to the lockdown had to happen online and one of the tools that we used was WhatsApp which we had never used with a group before but one of the things that we found is that that is a very quick way of communicating and it felt a lot less cumbersome than the emails that previously we've sent out and we're getting ready to start 
a new project with them that's going to be a two-year project in January and I've just met with somebody at CRMC and we talked about this and we talked about you know WhatsApp is the best way that they find to communicate with the people that they work with so one of the lessons is finding out how people communicate best instead of insisting on them communicating the way that you have always communicated in the past. And I think that's a huge lesson coming out of those first two pilots that will enable us to spend less time in trying to communicate and more time in the actual communication. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And it's actually made me think about, you know, I think there's something broader there actually about not being afraid to ask people what they want because certainly like from my point of view when all of this started the first thing I did was like because well we don't have any shows anymore so I went onto Facebook and was like okay so what do you guys want to see from us during this time and you know I remember sitting in kind of webinars after I'd already done this and telling people that that's what I'd done that's how I'd responded and a lot of other kind of marketing people were really like oh we've been quite nervous about putting it to audiences in that way because we don't want to create expectations that we can't meet or you know whatever and I understand that but what I found is that I think people are really understanding and get that we're all just figuring this out at the same time we don't have all the answers and they appreciate that honesty. And I don't know if that's something that you kind of felt in your work as well. Oh, Heather, that brings up so much. I mean, I just feel like as a society, we need to take that on board and we would be so much happier and really work together with creative thinking to come up with solutions. So for me, the way I work is tied to our history of theatre and education and theatre and education is the way that we approach a lot of our groups. And that is, you know, asking them what they're thinking about, what they're interested in talking about, what they're interested in making a theatre piece about. And really sitting in that mystery of not knowing together so that you can really get at something that's incredibly important and deep um, and that has relevance to the people that you're working with so yeah we've applied that to asking (laughs) asking them about the way of communicating how how is the best way of communicating with them and I guess I mean my next question but I feel like we've kind of answered it a little bit there was about lessons that we can take forward beyond lockdown So things that we might be able to apply even when some sort of sense of normality is restored. And I guess that's one of them, maybe just being a bit more open about asking questions and honest that we don't always know what the answers are. Is there anything else that you feel that we can take forwards from this time? Yeah, I think taking risks is a big one. And I think in order to take risks, there needs to be less sort of punishment, for lack of a better word, if those things fail. Because it's really scary to take risks if you feel like the penalty for failure is so high that it's not worth taking that risk. So I think as a society, 
it would be great to have conversations about that. You know, what might we gain if we are willing to take more risks? And also this idea of partnership working, really sitting down from the very beginning and saying, you know, what are our goals instead of in silo determining your own goals and then coming together very late in the project and trying to negotiate those new goals. And going back to that question of next steps or what we might want the legacy to be, we're really looking at those questions around access to digital technology. Um, We're interested in, in asking the questions, what do we want in our community? Do we want everyone to be digitally connected? And if so, how do we want that to come about? And are there other models out there where people have already figured some things out that we could look at instead of sort of inventing the wheel, you know, like maybe digital leads, or I know there's states in America where every high school student has been given a laptop to ensure that no student is left behind in their schooling. And how do we as a theater want to make sure that all of those people that we engage with, um, we're able to engage with them digitally Um, And not only those people that historically we've engaged with, but also are there new people that we could reach through digital engagement? Yeah, we talked about that being even broader than just kind of participants as well, haven't we? Because we're starting these conversations about artists and the digital divide in terms of the opportunities available, depending on how confident you are using the technology. So. Yeah, there's a lot of different things to unpack. Another thing we've been talking a little bit about was people with specific disabilities and how that affects whether you can access. So there's a lot to kind of pick up on from this. But I think it's really exciting that we're we're in a place where we're starting to explore this. And certainly for me, because digital is kind of my area. Yeah, and you're so good at it, Heather. And it, I mean, it is so exciting. And it feels like there are audiences that are getting to see things that they might not have been able to see previous to lockdown. And that's one thing we definitely don't want to lose coming out of this is that understanding that there are people out there that want to engage and that we need to find new ways of doing that through digital technology. Yeah brilliant thank you Kim thank you you've been listening to a Belgrade Theatre podcast with Kim Hackleman and Heather Kincaid Packerbell's Canon in D major was recorded by Kevin McLeod and used under Creative Commons license 3.0. For more information about our Belgrade Arts Gymnasium groups, visit belgrade.co.uk forward slash projects forward slash over hyphen fifties. <laughs>